A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How did it get 30, 30, how get 30, how did get 20, 20, 20, how get 20, 20, how get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Coping okay in lockdown and, uh, and enjoying the slight easing that's occurring at the moment. This podcast is a little bit different to most of the ones that go out on the channel. It's the audio of a feature that's going out on the website with the fantastic multi instrumentalist Erlen Cooper, composer. Me and Erlen shared a really wonderful conversation over the telephone, really nice flowing, and I really enjoyed it. So I thought it'd be nice to stick it out of the podcast. Adjust your expectations for the audio accordingly. It's not done on the usual kind of podcast mics that we deal with on here. It is just a conversation recorded over the phone, but I enjoyed it so much I thought I'd just uh, stick it out as a wee podcast as a bonus as well. It's going to be going out on the website, www.bensetmusic.co.uk, in a couple of weeks' time. Ireland has just released his third entry and final into the trilogy of work that he's done in his hometown of Orkney, and it's a really fantastic record, this third one, possibly, possibly the best out of the three. The previous two were these wonderful kind of transportive LPs, mostly without vocals. He utilizes the sense of nature, the sense of wildlife that he records, as well as the sense of people and all these kind of things that wonderfully relate to the island and really add to that as a format of you know, transport of quality that brings you there. And on his more recent one, we're kind of getting a bit more of his voice, which is really wonderful and adds this really nice edge to it and warmth and intimacy to the music as he introduces his singing. But don't just take my word for it. You can check that record out. It's Heather Blather by Erlen Cooper. It's available on all streaming services, available on vinyl, I believe, as well. If you check out his website, you can get copies of it and stuff on there, too. But yeah, without much further ado, this is my conversation with Erlen Cooper. I'm not going to pop in at the end like I normally do with gig announcements and that sort of thing. But what I will say is I don't plan on doing too many of these kind of remote podcasts. I'm working on a wee thing at the minute that's kind of the biggest podcast we've done yet in terms of length and the amount of guests we're having on, which is kind of related to lockdown and done remotely. But hopefully more on that soon. That should hopefully be up before the end of this month. But yeah, in the meantime, enjoy enjoy the conversation with Ellen Cooper. Cheers. Where are you? Uh, so I've gone I've gone back up to Aberdeen with everything that's happening at the moment. Oh you oh, what a great place to be. It is, it's lovely at the minute. It's beautiful sunshine. I'm kinda of out in the countryside as well, so it's Good to go out for walks and everything and just enjoy. Where were you? Were you in London or, or Glasgow or something? Uh, Edinburgh. Edinburgh, I'm normally based. Gotcha. What about yourself? Oh, I wish I was on... I was supposed to be in Orkney right now, travelling, believe it or not, 
with Amy Lettrop, the writer, to the real island of Sul Skerry. And um, we're obviously not there, and it makes me wonder if, if actually it, it really exists or not. So I'm kind of like, <laughs> I wish I was there. I'm in my bunker of my studio. Is that down in London? Yeah. 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 It's my little sea haven. How are you um, How are you kind of finding everything that's going on at the minute? Being um, a writer as of a particular style and productions that I do, I'm, I'm, the solitude's quite normal for me. You, you, what about you as a writer? Do you find you're alone a lot anyway? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't really find I, um, I mind being alone too much either, so it's not too bad. I'm kind yeah. of getting on all right. It's... I mean, I, I, I'm the same. I, I stare at the speakers and moocs and synthesizers and pianos and same four walls for a long time, for hours and hours and days and days. So I'm used to that. Um, it's kind of a good time to write and finish productions and give some other productions a lot more love than I might have done previously. Yeah. Um, it's, it's good it's, it's fine I guess you can kind of reflect a bit more and with the time to work it, maybe get a bit more clarity and a bit more perspective yeah it's about slowing time down a little bit as well but I, I still seem to squeeze a bit too much in I want to take it a bit more slowly yeah you're right it's good good perspective yeah. you finding it okay yeah I mean I th- Aberdeen is not too bad up here you know it's kind of it's alright but yeah I've, I've been coping alright I've kind of been just you're missing eating. the hustle and bustle of the posh Coffee shops in Edinburgh, <laughs> and swanky bars. I miss. Um, I used to, I used to live there. I know it was like I used to live in the meadows. Yeah, it's a nice area down there. It'd be yeah. lovely this time of year, but I imagine it's quite quiet at the moment. It's been quite surreal. It's been so surreal in London in terms of like you know, I've got a wee car, um, and so I've been doing in between all of the things, just just actually quite selfishly for my sanity and to get out and about. So I've been doing the. NHS volunteers delivering groceries and medication oh, yeah. and stuff and the good thing about that for me is I, I get to kind of pop around a little bit and, and not feel that I'm doing anything wrong you know so it's yeah. um, but what I'm trying to say is it's been lovely to see spaces that are normally very busy and loud for example hearing sound that noise pollution would cover up but hearing it travel longer distance in a city in a built-up area is quite an interesting thing i've yeah. enjoyed that what sort of stuff have you been hearing that's kind of been doing that yeah obviously a lot of bird song um waking up with the sounds of, of blackbirds echoing around a balconies and things it's, it's a lovely thing yeah. but um it's just a bit obviously it's not rewilding, <laughs> like, it? yeah. but it's uh, it's a it's a it's a with it's not necessarily more birds than there were before. It's just less noise pollution in other areas and, and more time to notice. So every day I get sent another wee text or a message from someone saying, "Oh my God, this fox is doing this or this this uh, bird doing that," and I love it. But it's um, I always try to notice the little kind of magic in the everyday anyway yeah how are you getting on with the project you're doing is it with chris hawkins the thing where people are sending in clips i well it's come from that it's it's absolutely come from that that kind of feeling of noticing the little things and um the response has been kind of overwhelming hundreds and hundreds of files gosh i hope i hope for like what i make in the end um <laughs> pressure's yeah, on I've been, I've been remote recording players from the LCO and all sorts of stuff and it's kind of 
that in itself is quite ambitious to do strings separate and then make them sound together so just now I was talking to my pal Tommy who's got a studio in Donegal which is huge so big big hall and so I recorded the individual strings singularly and then he set up speakers of each of the players in his hall so then we we, we play back or it's called reamping, and then you record them in that hall like they're together so that's kind of far out quite kind of a nice way of making it feel like a quartet together but they've all been recorded separately. Gallia from the LCO is the principal violinist, beautiful player. Robert, who's the conductor, it's just been great. I'm really enjoying that kind of challenge of it. Mm-hmm. You're sifting through hundreds of recordings of loads and loads of birds, but also lots of kind of strange things as well, <laughs> like coffee machines and farting. <laughs> When um, what you were speaking there about the strings, can can you hear the difference yourself, or have you managed to cheat it quite successfully? And can I make it sound like they're together? Does it work? It's, well, I spoke to him about an hour ago, just before you called, so I'm expecting the results in an hour. <laughs> I'm, I'm confident the idea will work. Because if you think about it, it to me, you record a quartet together. What is it to you that makes them sound together apart from them looking each other in the eye to me it's the air vibrating above them it's the it's the because the, sound just travels is vibrating through the air right so for me if you get those four players in the same room their sounds are vibrating together in the same space so with that in mind four speakers each of them performing playing back in the same room should vibrate the air the same way I think it might sound rubbish, but I'll give it a go. It's interesting to think about the science behind it, like what you're speaking about there and how it all kind of operates and works and all the things you wouldn't think about normally. Or you you would, but myself. When I left Orkney, I went to university in Edinburgh and I studied mechanical engineering, believe it or not. So actually, I'm an engineer more than anything else, and I love sound frequencies and compression and eq and and how the dynamics of sound works yeah we'll see fingers crossed ultimately they've got to be good performances individually yeah and the performance element where people play off each other is not there so i've had to create that with dialogue conversation written notation yeah and trust yeah you mentioned um you know, studying engineering there as well. Do you think that kind of gives you a slightly different perspective on music and you think it kind of feeds into it in any way? I think it does. I think it makes me look at sound as a process as well as a creative process. And so this is a kind of physical physics it helps play a part in terms of how you mix and how you work with sound and how different sounds work together. But look, I grew up on an island where, the, you know, I didn't have the opportunity to study music or or, or uh, there were no fancy schools that did all of that so I had to teach myself so I'm always feeling like I'm the underdog anyway and that I have to work very hard but when you can apply other things that you, you, you've learned or if your mind is quite process driven then you can apply it to the creative side I think writing is like 80% in the edit and that 20% is that magic you just can't explain. It's like bird watching. You're, you're looking out a window. You don't know what's gonna fly past the window. Yeah. It does. So it's like when you write a piece. I imagine so much is in your edit, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, like you say, eighty percent at least, if not more. Well, there we go. So it's the same with sound and production and writing. 
And then I like to leave a little percentage open for a bit of magic to walk in. And that's collaboration. Collaboration doesn't mean two or three folks sat in the same place. I think actually a bit a bit like 80, 90%, it's, you're on your own for most of it in solitude, but then you, you open the door. It's still, it's still open for, for you to, for it to change or for it to go somewhere or adapt. When you, when you make so much of it in solitude, obviously we're in a time of isolation now as well, is like making an album ever a lonely process? Do you think any parts? I think it's as lonely as reading a book in that you are alone and you're alone for a long time, but you can find comfort within in the pages of it. So for me, it's this kind of massive process, a massive percentage of that process is, is escapism within the countless hours and minutes that you work. Does that make any sense? Yeah, the, the, the music is almost like the companion in a sense. Yeah, the music is a companion that transports you somewhere else for a period and what you start with and what you end with are two vastly different things and and often what you start with and end with can be very similar if that makes sense you, you you could do all this stuff in between to get back to where you started yeah i guess it's all part of the process though it is i and 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 the process is the bit that we should take enjoyment from when you're creating and it can be painful as well frustrating and, and annoying and tough it's not it's not biochemistry. It's not mechanical engineering. Yeah. It's um, opening yourself up to being conducive to making something and then editing it somewhere else. I mean, I guess there's all that range of emotions that you go through in the process of making it a part of what makes it so fulfilling when you get to the end of it and you have that completed piece of work. It truly feels finished when you've got it, Alex. You've got that now. It now feels done, if that makes sense. So it's kind of the true feeling of completing it is not done until you've given it to someone and then my brain moves quickly to the next part of the process i mean with with the three albums that you've you've put out as well you've kind of spoken about them you know being as one did was it a different <clears throat> feel that, feeling like finishing this one then as opposed to finishing you know the other two no it was all done in the same i, I would get to the end of the one and start the next as soon as the other as soon as i I don't know how to describe it, because so, the first record was a tool, really. I used it to just ease a busy mind. As soon as I gave that tool away, I started the next one. And it's the same process, because so, you sit on a record for a few months, but on that first record, I, I was using it for half a year, maybe longer. And then you give it away, so you start the next thing. But I've just kept it going, and, and I hope it feels like full circle, where it kind of ends where it begins, in a sense of, sonically anyway um and from a narrative point of view borrowing melodies from the first record and and dressing them slightly differently and and lottie's voice for example to me has always been the voice of the gannet and to hear that again on the final one they're all joining together and, and even though the first the, the, this final one is about land it's also about community it's about voices it's about people which is why there's more more words on it, I guess. Yeah. I mean, there's something quite comforting as well, like in the cyclical nature of the three of them. Oh, I'm glad you, you think that. It's certainly comforting to me to have that kind of nest of these three and it's done. And, and I know it's done. I know it's finished. Yeah, it's a nice it's a nice feeling. They, they just, to me, they, they, um, they bookend each other, you know? Yeah. 
with this record being, or the new one, sorry, being about, um, you know, quite a lot about people as well, is that the kind of aspect of rocking that you find yourself most connected to and most resonating with? Not, not directly in that I'm actually, I'm actually a wee bit socially awkward, I'm quite shy, and, and one minute I can be, you know, really open and bubbly, and the next minute I just want to be alone, you know, but um, it community is ultimately the lifeblood of Orney. It's the people, it's the attitude, it's that, it's that magic. That's the wrong word. It's that. It's the. It's it's the lifeblood is a better better word. The magic to me is the and the rhythm that kind of you know as George Mackay would put it is the elements. You know, nature is the one true reset for me. And taking that further, it's the sea, it's or it's the air, it's the sky, it's the light. But the beating heart and the lifeblood is is the community of folk. It's and myth comes from people, comes from stories, comes from storytelling. I mean, myth something else that's quite prominent in parts of the record. Is that something you kind of grew up with? Was like the kind of myth of Orkney stuff that was taught to you as a child? Or oh yeah, first? yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if you go into my my folks' uh, study upstairs, there's always kind of a combination of being this really interesting place, but also quite kind of eerie as well it's a lovely room with a record player and books and skulls of a curly and all sorts of stuff <laughs> um dad was a biologist you see so yeah. you know folk would bring injured birds and ones that didn't make it would obviously make curious artifacts to keep yeah. um a seal skull and a curlew's head you know Am I, am I depicting the picture well? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> but also surrounded by ornithological books and stories, of folklore and music books. It's a real, it's a really wonderful room. So I was surrounded by it, um, not just in terms of self-exploration, but also you were told stories, you would you would hear things, um, and certain things would resonate. And would, and in making this that 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 myth in particular of Heather Blether, which to me feels like a, a myth, a story created to perhaps deal with grief, was something that stuck with me, like the idea of a vanishing island, one that appears at out of the har of a sea mist, you know. So I think that stuck with me, yeah. yeah. There's definitely, definitely things I heard and, and yeah. Was that the island that you were trying to go up and find when you were supposed to be back there just now? No, Sue Scary really exists. Heather Bleller is fictional. Yeah. Um, it, it's, uh, yeah. Is it based off or of any, any real island? Difficult or? to know. I mean, the story goes that um, a young girl went missing on the island of Rousey, and decades pass. And I like to think that over those two decades when the grief was kind of diminishing, that family, who, like many, have lost children due to due to health or, or disappearance or all sorts of things, came up with a tale to help deal with it. The, the very thought that that missing girl was okay, was happy, had grown old, has children, is living with a partner on this mythical island. What a lovely way to deal with loss, you know. It's interesting to think about the origins of myths it's not something we really, you know, address often, is it? The myths kind of just exist as a thing. Yeah, I think it comes from kind of Viking folklore. They come from a place, don't they? There's a reason. It's a, it's a bit like Greek mythology, isn't it? There's, there's, there's normally wisdom and hindsight and all sorts of things linked to them, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, when you look at um, oh, 
you'd probably remember who was it that blew too close to the sun yes Achilles okay. not Achilles um, what's his name um, oh it's escaped me as well <laughs> oh text me it what's his name oh, oh. this is going to annoy me for the rest of the day um, you can't but, look it up you can't no. look it up there's a, there is always, it'll come to us later on, but there is always that knowledge, like you say, at the root of it, and wisdom, and a lesson to be learned. Icarus. Icarus, yeah. Yeah, that's it, Icarus. There's always something to be taken from a story, whether it's an old one or one that a friend passes on to you. You know, we all take certain things from it. Or we say things to make us feel a certain way. How many folk... If they break up with someone, enjoy a good blether in the pub and you have a chat about it, you know, or whatever. Or this is a great example. We're all in isolation. And, and actually, the one thing that really helps is people sharing how they're getting through, you know, what they're noticing. Yeah. You know. And kind of connecting with each other and sharing in that kind of communal experience that everyone's going through at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you feel... um? Do you ever take like knowledge from albums in the same way we're kind of speaking about how there's always something at the core of myths? Do you ever do that with records that you listen to? Oh yeah, we do. I mean, don't we all like going back from the you know the Revolver by the Beatles or whatever? We we all come up with myths. In fact, I was thinking, why do I know the first half of Rubber Soul so well? And I've created in my mind the myth that in that room I was talking about upstairs at the record player, Rubber Soul and Prokofiev's Peter and the Wolf were at hand, right? And me being one of six kids, perhaps I didn't know how to turn the record over. <laughs> so I only know the first half of that record, like, intimately. But I, and I kind of like that I've created a story in my head. To, to it's, not, it's not about kind of a short attention span. Maybe that's what happened. Maybe I, I physically, as an eight-year-old, did not or wasn't permitted, probably, to touch it and turn it over so we all make stories up don't we yeah. it's a nice thought is that um is that record collection still exactly the same still preserved in the same it is funny yeah. enough it is uh, it's it's still there from leonard corn's uh, bird on a wire all the way through to 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 garfunkel and um coffee it's great it's a lovely collection it's not massive but must be a good hundred records i think to come back to your own um, as well, we were obviously speaking about you know the importance of people and myth that kind of runs through it, and again you have you know these interspersed kind of clips of dialogue that you've taken mm-hmm. from your own interviews and others. When, I... when, when you're selecting these clips, is it the content or is it like the rhythm and the flow of the dialect? What are you kind of looking for to help them fit in with the music? It's a really good question. No one's ever asked me that. Um, <laughs> my favourite part of field recording isn't just about the narrative or the content. In fact, when it's too too on the nose, I don't like it. Whereas if you if you if you if you take a moment to listen to a track on the record called Long Hope, you hear a woman chatting away, and she talks about you know when she was born in eighteen ninety, and then her and Anne Marwick, who's a collector of of stories, burst out in laughter, and you can't understand a word of what they're saying, but the rhythm of it is wonderful to me and it kind of sings and then when that laughter bursts out and they're talking about a dog stealing a steak from the table or something it doesn't matter that's not anything but it's the it's the joy of that little bit of magic and then the way it kind of dances a bit so yes that's a really good question 
I think as well with that clip that or that moment sorry that you're speaking about with interviews people are always kind of putting on a persona of sorts and that's kind of a moment when like the real personality escapes and oh, the people that connect the guard goes down she's so good at it and is is exceptional and she learned under back in the day it was only men that told the stories and when she would go to collect stories with her peers that were men she would go and physically go into the kitchen with the women and collect these stories and so she's got these really wonderful collection it should be in the Scottish archive and I think it will one day and you, you listen to the stories that are like, okay we're going to do a story now and it all just feels a bit contrived whereas that these moments as she she's a master at making you feel at ease in fact I I had the great pleasure of interviewing her and recording it. Yeah, you did and a she, film, didn't you? Um, I did a, a, a slow-moving portrait film of her, but I did I recorded her for 45 minutes, and she's the master. She turned the table <laughs> in the interviews. Just blathering away, and yeah, it's a lovely thing. Uh, you um, you decided to end the record on a, a clip of dialogue as well. Why did you choose to do that, and why that clip? Every record as the groove fades out and i'm sure you're a lover of records yeah i love um, a good vinyl so it's it for that reason isn't it nice where you just get that wee bonus bit of chat and it happens at the end of all the records there's also something else on every record there's an etching that i haven't told anyone about but it actually all the way across and this is, <laughs> this is how geeky i am from its planned conception it reads the poem of george mckay brown between A, B, A, B, and A, B of each of the records. So the um, the essence of Orkney is silence and loneliness. Uh, what is it then? Essence of Orkney, silence, loneliness, and the deep rhythms of sea and land or something like that. I'll text it to you. But um, I've written it within the, as an etching with Guy Davy, my mastering engineer, on A and B, on A and B on each, as a bit of a bit of a kind of easter egg and so for the very same reason ending with a little bit of dialogue uh, and and writing that on it's just a bit of it's a little bit of joy in what we in when we create you know yeah. you know like i mentioned earlier you leave a little bit open for a bit of a bit of something extra to walk in the door and that was it on that point just die saying oh let's do an etching and then planning an etching across three it's kind of a strange thing but also it felt, felt really satisfying when he put he did that final scribble yeah. uh, silence loneliness and then you know the magic of the rhythm um of sea and land darkness and light so ending with darkness and light just felt great but that little bit of dialogue at the end talks about the muckle supper which just felt like a really fun celebration of community spirit yeah i, I like the idea of um like what obviously you know we're speaking about the etch and there it's almost in the same way that the records are cyclical it's continuing to bring them together in that fashion and kind of lean into the mythology of the albums as well lovely thanks for staying so i i'd, I'd hope that would come across to them to to few so yeah. that's good we get a lot of your or a lot more of your kind of vocals on this album as well in your voice <laughs> well, on, well it's funny enough on a record it's about people you know well that's right it's about people and for me each of the songs with the voice is telling a story in part and in my head, for example, Beanie Breaks, in my head, I'm pretending to be King Grayson and I'm singing a song that I'd love him to have sung. And in the end, I just 
kept my kind of slightly whiskey fueled 3am vocal on it and because someone said just leave it it's kind of you it feels whereas I, in my head at the start I, I planned every each of those ones with the vocal to be a different singer funny I ended up being me oddly enough a bit weird for for someone who like you know so often expresses themselves through compositions and instrumentation how does it differ expressing yourself with vocals and lyricism I try to think of it going back to the reference of sound everybody you Alex me Wella whatever we've all got a a unique voice in that it's really harmonically rich and it, 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 there's, there's there's great joy in treating the voice as sound and so to kind of call call the vocal all together on that first record because a vocal felt like in Soul and Goose it, it honestly felt like a plastic beach ball on a landscape it just felt so out of place and then smuggling it in by using the voice as an instrument just drones and tonal and kind of slightly wonky angry seagull sounds were actually human to then having the voice come back as the the, the final bit within this because it was done last it was in a, a nice process I, I enjoyed it kind of feel at peace with it now yeah it's a nice progression across the three records again kind of evolving i like to that. think oh thanks i like to think that if you kind of haven't had too much of you know, if you're okay, you're in Aberdeen, and if you had enough of folk, you'll you'll seclude to the solitude of of your home, of your desk, or whatever. Whereas if, if you know, from a creative point of view, if I've had too much of the voice, I'll I'll find solitude and joy in listening to perhaps the instruments, the instrumentation of Soul and Goose. And that's that's the equivalent of just going for a walk on the beach, you know, and kind of you know finding that finding the balance is is, is interesting. Yeah, I guess again it comes back to this idea of the records kind of being that transformative tool that you can use to escape your kind of busy life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's true. I mean, there's no singing until the third track as well, which I think is funny in itself because it's not a vocal record, but it also is. It's like what. Do you know what I mean? What albums? Yeah. Oh, um, East India Youth. What I loved about that first album of his was that his vocal didn't come in until like halfway through the third song on the album, and then you get a vocal. It's really good. Using using it sparingly, like for for maximum half the record. Whereas most albums you listen to from solo artists and bands, it's like boom, boom, boom after the first minute of the first song all the way through the end yeah yeah you need variation or else things don't land with the same impact yeah it's um trying to find that balance and you never really know until you until you step away whether you've done it or not yeah i guess you kind of just have to do it based upon feeling during the time and instinct yeah yeah these these two records are still relate to artney and and home i I was wondering you know over the, the process of making them has your understanding of your home and where you come from changed and developed as a result of the process? Another good question. I think um, there's a misconception that I was looking back with rose tinted glasses at a joyous childhood because I won't get into it, but you know, we all have our ups and downs, and my childhood certainly wasn't, whilst it was idyllic, you know, teens were difficult. But um, 
I think it's it's brought me closer to my understanding of what I of what I adore about that landscape and the people and perhaps my father and other things. So yeah, I'd say it has. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is what does home mean to you now? Home is wherever you're safe. It's your safe haven, whether that's with people or whether that's on an island in, in the North Sea or whether that's in a in a basement. So it's made me value what I and I think what a lot of people right now are experiencing truly value what they enjoy, crave, need to survive. Home is kind of more than a it's more than just a you know a physical place, isn't it? It's mm-hmm. kind of a conceptual thing almost. It is. Yeah. Yeah. It absolutely is. We've we've spoken quite a bit about the transformative, you know, uh, power power of the albums. And the last time I saw you was at your live show in Glasgow. In what was the name of the church again? Was it last November? Oh, did you come and say hi? I you I didn't. Sorry, I had, to, I had to run off the train at the end of the show. But it was a wonderful. What was what was the name of the church? Um, it was a Macintosh church. Macintosh. It was Ray Macintosh. Yeah. Yeah. It was the, the music seems to be even more kind of transportive in the live setting. Does it feel that to you, and why do you think that is if so? Oh, because I'm working with some incredibly talented folk that inspire me, and I keep them on their toes, and they keep me on my toes, and there's there's a feeling of experimentation, because I don't play live often. Less is more, you know, this feeling of, if this is the only night we do it, let's just go somewhere. Did you enjoy the show? Very much so. There's such a kind of communal excitement in the room. It's almost like a tension oh, as well at points. It's, it was... <laughs> do you know, the rest of my band were like, oh my God, Glasgow, like, all throughout the whole gig, everyone was thinking, they hate this. They are not enjoying this. And then to get that standing ovation at the end, we were all like, what? It's you were with us. And I, I loved that. It was a feeling, it was almost reverential. And it blew us away. We were so pleased to be in Scotland, I was in particular, and to feel connected by the end is exactly it's exactly the process I go through creatively. You know, we, we, we all step off the street into our own, into this new world, expecting to go there immediately. You don't do you in anything. And if you do, you, you need to kind of ease into that journey. So by the time you get to the end, it feels transportive or transformative perhaps it was a euphoric feeling at the end I remember now it was quite kind of dark and strange in that building so it was a nice it was nice to get that to get that joint feeling by the end I quite like the feeling of utter disaster <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit like a slug on a razor blade you know you don't know it's <laughs> gonna get you know one wrong move and it's it's over but I always have this view you know it's just music just music you know it's okay and uh, however stressed you're feeling or anxious you're feeling keep reminding yourself of that and you'll get to that place that you get to when you make this thing in the first place and that has been my greatest discovery in life because I didn't expect that so it's been really Nice feeling. Yeah, quite a rewarding thing that you've learned from performing live. Why did you feel the performance 
everyone was hating it that night because it, it felt like a completely different atmosphere in the audience. I felt like everyone was connected and really resonating with it. I, I think, to be fair, we couldn't see properly. And I think there was this feeling of coldness because churches can be quite imposing places. And actually the Glasgow audience, it might have been a Sunday night as well, there was a kind of rigidity at the start, which maybe you felt, maybe. Yeah, a, l- a little bit. I think as well, it was like you said, it's kind of a kind of grandiosity about the church, isn't it? And it was like a cold, I think it was November, wasn't it? Like a cold November night. Yes, it was, yeah. I felt like everyone yeah. kind of opened up over the course of the evening, though, and it kind of relaxed, if you know what I mean. Exactly. A bit like, that's the whole, that's that's the process I go through. So it's a bit like, get the fire on and let's have a chat. Let's <laughs> have a beer. You know, have some food. Feel a bit better. Don't worry. It'll be all right. Yes, I think we were, we were feeling the same as well. That cold November night. Yeah, I love the part in the middle of the set where you turn all the lights off as well, and then as you kind of play, they slowly start to creep back on. Oh, it's, yeah, I really enjoyed that. Became a process that I think I'm going to keep experimenting with, and I wanted to do the same at the Barbican Hall with two thousand people. I just keep doing that as a thing because it's really awkward and really enjoyable and interesting to me, anyway. It's interesting the difference light makes in a show when you completely remove it, what it kind of does to the atmosphere. And it kind of just brings it straight back to the music, doesn't it? It does. It's like kind of, yeah, it's, have you ever been in your car at night? I shouldn't say it really, but, and you turn the lights off while you're driving on the road just for a split second. Have you ever done that? I have not, but I imagine it would be. Do it next time. (laughs) And think of me. You scare the shit out of yourself. But it's that feeling, and you, you very quickly flick it back on. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying rush out and do it all the time. But I sometimes do it. Like if you were on a country road or something, just flick it off and flick it on. It's it's really kind of that feeling of like, <gasps> it's a reset moment. Yeah, <laughs> almost, it must almost be a bit, um, a bit ghostly though, is it not? You kind of feel like you're yeah. kind of floating through the countryside, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's only a split second, but you feel like an owl or something. It's a good thing. Yeah, it kind of gives you a different perspective, I guess, because if you've driven in a car your whole life with lights on and you yeah. only turn them off. Yeah, because think about it. You, When you walk at night, you slowly immerse yourself into the darkness. So doing what we did live is the same thing. It's a, it's a, it's a physical flip of a switch. You don't get an opportunity in life to do that much. So then you do it and then slowly, calmly bring yourself back in. I want to keep experimenting with that. I'd, what My absolute dream on the live side would to do would be to do this. The lights go off, but as that Orkney sun comes in, up of the audience is a true white light bird murmuration. Wouldn't that be amazing? Like that would just come out of nowhere. I'd love to make that happen. Even like the idea you're speaking about though of of like resetting it, even to do that like beyond lighting and figure out other ways to kind of play with that idea of resetting something mid-show would be quite interesting. Mm. Have yeah. you ever got any ideas? Send them on. I'll have a think, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, I was, I'm due to come to Edinburgh for a couple of nights. I mean, we'll see how September goes. And if it doesn't, we'll see it in the spring. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Is that we Summer Hall you're doing? I'm doing a couple of nights at Summer Hall. I think Summerhall's yeah, needs some support at the moment, so 
Yeah, it's yeah. I think her, um, oh. give them a mention. Yeah. Yeah, it, what's the name of the campaign? I actually, I did a news article on it. Is it Music Venue Trust? Okay. Is that the name yeah. of them? They're running like a campaign up and down the country um, to try and rescue like kind of 500 venues that are kind of in trouble, grassroots music venues. Well, let's give them a big shout out. I'm looking forward to playing there for a couple of nights. And look, if, 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 if the world is, is not in the right place to do that, it will be one day. So yeah. look forward to that. But thank you. I really appreciate you giving me so much time today. That was a really lovely conversation, I think. I really Absolute enjoyed that. pleasure for me too. But you have a great day. It was nice to speak. Yeah, and you, and hopefully catch up when... Must have been your soft Scottish going. accent. <laughs> you, lulled, you lulled me in as if we were in the pub. When was the last time you were up here? Uh, uh, I was in Dundee um, just before lockdown. Ah, that's not too bad then. Uh, yeah, that was nice. I went to Fife to visit John Burnside, actually. So, oh, yeah, that was good. good yeah, it was lovely. Well, look, you take care. It was and great to speak. Good to speak I hope again. you got what you needed. Definitely, All yeah. the best. I love that. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.